the cup and the leaf all to be won. Everyone knows there's a job to be done. And with a team so fine, I'm proud they're mine. We'll be singing the song. Family Athletic Former Players Association podcast is sponsored by Starna Apparel. Affordable and stylish clothing born on the terraces. Visit their website, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Welcome to episode 12 of the Dunfermline Athletic Former Players Association podcast, Walking Down the Holbeath Road, where we will reminisce about yesteryear at East End Park and the players who have been lucky enough to wear the famous black and white stripes. I'm your host, Mikey Mokkevich. And on this episode, we speak to a player who joined the club in September 1991 and would go on to become the club's record transfer fee received in 1996 when he would join Celtic for a fee of around £650,000, a record that still stands to this day. He would also play 33 times for his country during his career, including two appearances at the France 98 World Cup. We hear all about that and a lot more in this podcast, so sit back, grab a bovril and enjoy this one with Jackie McNamara. Jackie, thanks very much for joining us on the on the podcast. How, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I'm good. Good to be here. Good man, good man. We'll start right at the beginning. So you were born the 24th of October 1973 in Glasgow. So tell us a little bit about your, your upbringing and your early memories of football. I was born in Glasgow then. My dad was at Celtic at the time. I uh, was there. We lived my early, early days. I was I stayed in Cumbernauld until I was eight years old. And then my dad had been travelling a few years when he moved to Hibs. So we decided to move to Edinburgh in uh, 1982, I think it was, around about then. You know, I stayed there ever since, even even when I was playing my 10 years at Celtic and stuff. So I always stayed in the, in the East after that. Went to school at uh, Portobello and, and trained with a few clubs, you know, in the early teens. And, uh, trained with, one was Dunfermline, along with quite a few others, with Hibs and Dundee United. I went down to Man United a couple of years in a row, with a few other boys for Scotland. I uh, had a bad leg break at 15 in March and then I came back in November just at the time when my pals were getting signed up full-time the clubs and Dunfermline was the only one that took a chance on me in the January, you know, the, the following year. Uh, Big Lee should sign us on a YTS at 16 and yeah, the rest, uh, rest there was working my way up through the YTS game. Brilliant. And what, what's your early memories uh, when Dunfermline approached you when you were just a, a youngster to, to sign for them or train with them? I really enjoyed it. I used to train just in Edinburgh. It was, you know, it was out near Nidra. We used to train in a gym, a gym hall at times so the weather wasn't great. Uh, the scout, Sandy Brown, it was the one that kind of picked me up. And it was Sandy that convinced Big Jim Leishman to, to give me a contract and believe me just before he, he actually passed away, which was difficult. You know, Paddy McGovern used to take the training out there at Edinburgh and it was brilliant. You know, and his son Justin 
was a, a YTS was at, at times as well when I first started. So it was a good a good upbringing. Uh, a lot of good senior players, a lot of players at the club, young uh, young ones as well. The YTS scheme at the time, but um, the actual first team coming in, they were in the Premier League. Uh, a lot of experienced players, and no, it was a good a good time to be at the club. Brilliant. So you mentioned there you, you signed YTS. On the 17th of September 91, you were just 16 years of age. The club then sent you out on loan, am I right, and sent to Gerdoch? Yeah, well, we were just playing games, you know, at that point. Uh, we were still in everyday training, doing other jobs. But we played the weekend, played for Gerdoch United, which actually went on to win the Scottish Cup with them. It was, I, get, there was, I think there was quite a few of us in the team that played in that team. So just to keep us all in a games programme if we weren't playing reserves so it was, it was actually very good Brilliant mate and you mentioned him earlier Jim Leishman so what, what's your early memories at, at Jim because obviously you say again the club were in the Premier League at that time everything was going really well at the club the crowds were big you know East Van Cosma George O'Boyle really good players at the club so what, what was was Jim like? I think Jim was just as he's always been you know he was a great character you know, even my first pre-season, which was in the summer, I came in the January, we were running up the hill, just down for Dunfermline at Patty's Muir. There was a long, then used to do the hill runs and Jim had managed to walk up to the top bit and stood at the rock. And he always had his cigar out then and he was blowing his, his smoke out his cigar as you were getting to the top of the hill and you're out of breath. <laughs> but it was, um, you know, it was a good character, good people there, good coaches as well. We, Ian Monroe, we had Jimmy Thompson with the youth helping us, and, and Joe Nelson would assist uh, Jimmy. So it was, it was again, as I said, it was a really good uh, upbringing for us, you know, at, at that time. Mm-hmm. See, um, obviously, just after you signed, Big Leash was, was removed as manager, and obviously Ian Monroe then took over. What, what was that like from a player's point of view? Was that unsettling or? Different for myself because I was obviously younger. I wasn't a first team mm. uh, player at that at that time. You know, Jim done all the media, done all the stuff there. And, uh, I don't, I don't know the ins and outs between himself and Ian. Ian obviously was the hands on with the training. Um, from the outside, it looked like they worked well together. You know, and, uh, Phil Bonneman was there as well. Was a good coach. But yeah, was, I mean, I liked, I liked them all. I had no issues with any of them. Um, it's disappointing that it didn't work out between them all. Uh, you know, it was quite a big fallout at the time with the fans as well. Yeah, obviously it took a big hit on the attendances. When you were there, you obviously signed as YTS. Who who was in your youth team uh, when you first went to the club? There was a lot of us. Um, so the ones that you, you know, Mark Bowes, Stuart Gallagher, John Elcoat, Jimmy Nairn. I think there was like 20 odd of us in the in that sort of YTS or one who just finishing it, you know, boys like Pat McAllister and came over from Ireland and stuff like that as well. So it was, uh, there was a lot of boys come through that. Again, like any any academy or any club, not all of them make it uh, to the first team, unfortunately. Right. Who, who were the ones that stood out for you as a, as a youngster? You thought they would go on and have a, have really good careers there was, a f- there was a few Stuart Gallagher was was a fantastic wee player uh, striker he was, was Scotland as well but he had again he was very unfortunate with injuries he was cruciate Mark Bowes who was right back from the 21s um, 
as well. You know, I ended up taking Bose's position, but he was a good player. He didn't, uh, you know, kick on to what I thought he would have. But Jimmy Nairn, the guys in the first team, Andy Williamson, Raymond Sharp as well. There was there was loads loads of them. But again, it's you know the the ratio for for actually making it to the to the levels is quite is quite slim. One thing I was wanting to ask you about, and we we done a podcast on it recently, was was Eagle Glen, the the training base the club had. What what was your memories of Eagle Glen? Yeah, I mean I wasn't I wasn't up there for long. It was six months I was there, but yeah, it was. I actually quite liked it, although we didn't use it for training. It was it was more um they, we weren't using, I never used the pitches up there when it, my time there. We would go up there and get changed, so I would have to look after like four senior players. Uh, with the changing rooms up there, or the kit would be there and get changed. They'd, like a snooker table, and we'd have our lunches and stuff when we came back. Yeah, but we never, we always trained at Petrivi. You know, we'd, we'd get in, in the vans there and travel down. Uh, but yeah, it was a good, it was a good setup. It was a really good setup up there. Brilliant. And then the following season, 92-93, the, the Pars finished third in the first division. Uh, and you made your debut that, that season. Do you remember your debut away to Arbroath in the Challenge Cup? Yeah, yeah I actually got injured in the game. I hurt my knee in the game, my medial ligament. A good feeling to get your debut, but it was a bit frustrating because the injury I picked up after it kept us out for a few weeks. Um, you know, I always seen my, my debut as more the when you you know when you're in the team when you're and you're there to stay, which I felt was more under um, Bert and Dick. Uh, you know, that's that's where I really felt that I'd mm-hmm. I got myself in there because it wasn't just like right, you're going to play the the Challenge Cup in this game. <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you know, you're only in there like maybe making up the numbers or just to give you. Your debut and see how you do. Whereas you're in a league game, that means a lot, and they put you in. That's that's when you know you're you're in the mix. Yeah. How did you feel going into that, knowing you were going to make your debut? You're still obviously very young at that this point as well. I, I think I think I never I never phased this. I, I think that's one thing I had, and you know I just got on with things. I never really thought about things, even regardless of what game or what level. I just I was just itching to play. And getting that starting team um, throughout my whole career. So even at that age, I wasn't like scared of making my debut or apprehensive about it. I was just desperate to go and go and play and perform. Yeah, and the following season, ninety three, ninety four, you made thirty nine appearances for the first team. So I just want to touch on that season really. Burton Dixon by this point, um, and you strike up a really good pair of Evo Dem Beeman. So what was your memories, yeah. of Big Evo? Yeah, but we worked well together. You know, Evo put some great balls in, some great crosses, and I think we complemented each other just with getting up and down that, that right-hand side. You know, the way that Bert wanted to play really suited me. You know, he, he transformed us from a midfielder, a centre midfielder into a full-back. You know, my first start was away at Still in Albion. I came on for, I think, Bozzi in one of the games before it. And he's, the next game, he said, I'm going to start you there and see how you do. Uh, it was away at Force Bank against uh, Stalin Albion, and kind of never looked back from that. Um, you know, when it's always it's always easier when you're playing with players around you. You know mm-hmm. that, that can help you, like Sonori, right centre half or whatever. You know, guys that can talk you through things, and I've got a good relationship with, with Evo or whoever it was in front of us. You know, it would be Alan Moore or Kenny Ward or whoever. 
um, you know, they're good senior players. Brilliant. And what, what senior players were in the team round about that time and who, who were you quite close to? Uh, I was close to, I used to travel with Big Westy and Paul Smith from Edinburgh. We used to meet and um, travel through in the mornings and, you know, they kind of helped me get in and settle into the team uh, and talk us through things. Big Norrie, likewise, I had a lot of time for uh, the big man from doing his, cleaning his boots and doing all his stuff and his kit. You know, they kind of looked after us quite a bit. And Craig Roberts and guys like that, there was a lot of senior players in the team. No, it was it was a really good it was a really good um, good mix, you know, the good good senior pros, and it was really helpful to, to settle in. Perfect, mate. And we won't mention your nights out at Nico's and Darcy's just no. yet with Big Nori. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, we mentioned them earlier, Bert and Dick, obviously with the management team by then. Uh, what what were they like, and what kind of influence did, did they have on you in early in your career? Um, I th- I thought they were fantastic. They're just good people, you know. The Bert was sort of quieter, but you know his philosophy was attacking football, you know, and being positive and everything you, you do, which I really liked. Um, and Bert, as for Dick, was brilliant with him, you know, and with the team. Just they're just good at managing people. They're good people, and they've got the best at you, you know, they're, with a good laugh as well at times. You know, they're, they're, he's fully banters and still is. Uh, Dick, when you see him now, he's interviews. But again, it creates a good atmosphere in the changing room. You know, and everybody's relaxed and just wants to go and do their job and win. And, you know, Bert and Dick, kind of from the previous management team, were totally different. You know, they, they were more um, helpful to the players rather than just, you know, um, be angry <laughs> at not getting the results or. Or, or not try and get the best out of them. Mm-hmm. You spoke about winning. That that season was a really bizarre season. If you remember this one, we missed out in promotion by a point to Falkirk. However, we won the more games in Falkirk and scored the most goals in the UK, which was 93 goals. But obviously, the way it worked back then with the point system, we didn't go up. That must yeah. have been a major disappointment. It was, yeah. It was, again... I think any other season, uh, especially when they changed it, you know, they changed the whole format. We would have been up and champions. We deserve to go up, even you know, getting to playoffs and stuff like that. You know, not to not to not to get there because the team, you know, the whole thing it just seemed a bit unfair. The whole setup at that time. Yeah, they did change it the next season because we end up getting to the playoffs, didn't we? we play Aberdeen. Yeah. Um, but what I wanted to touch on, I don't know if you remember this one. So the following season, 94 95, you play 30 games and you scored your first goal for the club. Do you remember yeah. that one? Yeah, I think it was Sunra, wasn't it? Sunra. Sunra, yeah. In December. Uh, it, was, it wasn't a classic, but um, no, I'd, I'd been getting a bit of stick because I'd, I'd quite a few assists and the boys, are, and then that last third, I was saying I was going to get a nosebleed. Um, but, you know, it was just good to get that monkey off my back and get the goal, I remember it, and just it was kind of cross crumb shot in the back the back post. I was just so desperate to score and get my first goal. So it was a, a good feeling. And then, like I say, that season, we, we finished second again, but we beat the playoffs against Aberdeen. Was was there a belief at that time that this was a season we, we could beat Aberdeen and, and go up to the Premier Division? Yeah, I mean, again, with a, a good season, you know, that, that was the... The disappointing thing, you know, they had a poor season, 
uh, and maybe kept the players. We were pushing all the way to the end, and that's the thing. One team pushing to try and get over the line, and our team knowing they're going to be in the playoffs, and they can just right, rest a few up for the last few weeks of the game, then they're all fresh for the playoffs, which you know, which really did feel a wee bit like that at the time. You know, it was just a. I think everybody after a long season to go and get another two games, you know, and be fresh for it. Uh, I think it was just it was too much for us in the end. Whereas they, as I said, they were fresh because they probably had rested quite a few leading up to that, knowing they're in the playoffs. So, yeah, I think I think it was unfairness, you know, to, to come away uh, that season but not getting promotion. Yeah, really disappointing. And then the following season, which was a big one for, for the club and for yourself, mm-hmm. in 95-96. So you go into that season, obviously, gunning for promotion again. Um, mm-hmm. Did you did you know by this point there was clubs watching you? Did you have opportunities to, to leave the club or were you looking to leave the club? There was noises in the summer after the playoffs. There was a lot of talk that I was leaving then, you know, after the Aberdeen game. But, uh, I was asked to go and play for Arsenal in a, a, a close season tournament um, which I declined I didn't think you know I've, I've had a long season I'm not going down to go on trial in, in pre-seasons for getting fit <clears throat> or for going on trial if they watch me they'll know what I can do so I, I, I didn't go down I didn't play in it and there was talk of a few other clubs I don't know how far away it was for, from happening but Blackburn was one at the time we, when uh, King Kenny was there but I just, but again, this is before Bosman as well. So, you know, we just started the season and the next, the new season again. And then obviously it was a few months before before I left. Yeah, you played your last game on the 30th of September, 95, uh, a 2-1 win against St. Johnson. So did you know at that point, I think Kenny Dalglish actually was at that game watching you for Blackburn. Did you know at that point Celtic had interest in you? No, no, I didn't. Um, I mean, there was... It was like everything else. I think it's worse. It was worse then than it is now. Now it's social media, but then it was just paper talking. You know, the this team's after and that team's. It seemed to be quite constant. We had different teams that were mentioned that were, were trying to sign me, or whatever were after me. But you know, I, I hadn't heard anything um, concrete. And obviously, the Arsenal was a, a, to go down in pre-season, and then Celtic. It came out the day before I left that, that they turned down, I think it was half a million to start with, um, which which I thought was more than enough for me <laughs> at the time, being in the championship, my age and everything else. So, you know, they'd uh, spoke to them and I think I think the club was wanting a million at the time, which was crazy. But uh, I got a phone call a few hours later to say that they accepted a bid from Celtic. I think it was 650 plus. Mm-hmm. Fifty thousand for a Scotland for Scotland cap, so yeah. seven hundred seven hundred thousand dollars. Was there not a player at Wraith Rovers? The boy McInnesby maybe went down to Fulham for around a million pound, and Bert was quite keen to emphasise you were the better player. Uh, so I think so. I think um, there was talk of that. Um, again, it's again it's it's hard to you're on the other side of that. You know, I think even at that. The, so it was the next morning I had to go through. Uh, I got a call that night to say I had to go and speak to Celtic uh, the next day to see, do medicals and talk to them and see if I want to sign them. I went into the uh, East End, I walked along to get my, my stuff and 
in 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 Dick Murray. I was getting my boots and all my shin pads and everything else, and uh, you know, Bert was upset, uh, giving giving us a cuddle, and Dick two of them were upset at me leaving at that point. Uh, they were actually playing that night against Dundee United in the Challenge Cup. Um, but yeah, that must have been quite a surreal, a surreal moment for you. Knowing that you were leaving, I, you're... You said I, lo- I loved it. Actually, I love my, I loved being there. I love my time there. But I, I kind of, you know, you've got, you've got your ambitions as well. And to be honest, at that point, it kind of helped save the club a little bit with the money because I think it was a bank accepted the bid. You know, the the club was in a lot of financial trouble at the time. Uh, you know, to get. To get that kind of money for me, it came through in a YTS for nothing, didn't cost me anything. You know, I thought it was a great bit of business. And um, yeah, I was disappointed, obviously, seeing Bert and Dick upset and seeing Chiro to them and everything else. But they, they knew I had to go as well. You know, it was the right time for us. Yeah, obviously, we'll touch on your time at Celtic next. But just to kind of round up your, your time at Dunfermline, you mentioned them earlier. Norrie McCarthy, what, what's your memories of the big Norrie? Uh, obviously playing along beside him and you were a young player at that time. He was a very laid-back character. No, not one you would get on the wrong side. He, good, good, he liked a good time, he liked to laugh. You know, for a young lad coming in, as I said, I used to clean his boots and he was always brand new with me in the mornings. He was a clatty big bugger as well at times. You know, the, the way he'd come in, as if he just rolled out his bed with all his clothes on. And he was he was Mr. Dunfermline at the time. He's 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 pubbing the club of Winker, you know, another great guy. He used to go in there quite a bit with the pals and stuff as well and see him. And I think that was the one thing that kinda helped me that I'd left the club. I think I don't know, I know the boys coped well with you know, I'd actually been in his place a couple of weeks before he, he passed away. So you know, before I went to Celtic. So I in that sense, I'm glad that I didn't have to go in every day and no see and not no see him. If you know what I mean, uh, the players. I think the players and the management done unbelievable that season, considering you know the the loss of Nori, not just on the park but off the park. And as a guy, you know, to come, which probably helped him and the fans to try and do it for him, get over the line and get up, which they deserved. Um, but personally, I would have found it really tough um, going back in. Yeah, how how did you hear the news on the eighth of January, Jackie? Do you still remember that that day? It's one of those GFK moments, isn't it? Yeah, I, I got a call. It was big, big Andy Todd. Yeah, big Todd they phoned me. Aye, it was. I mean, I was still, I was still living in Dunfermline. I was still, uh, I was still living there. I lived just round next to Toddy. And he came round and, uh, aye, I just couldn't believe it. Even you know, it's just trying to get. Try to come to terms with it and the reality of it. It's just such a shock. Somebody like that, so big and uh, strong and powerful uh, to happen to him, it's, it's heartbreaking. Yep, it was really tough to deal with. Eh? But um, to round up your time at Dunfermline, Jackie, is you played 96 games all in, so you just about made that, that 100 mark. Is there any specific memories that stand out for you? Like that one kind of memory that you, you still remember really fondly? Uh-huh. To be honest, I'd, 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 I'd a great time there. And, you know, and I'm ever saying it to young players, I look after players now, and like, what's the best way to make it? For me, if you'd said to me I was going to go through 
say Celtics Academy or Hibs Academy and go and play the first team and do it that way. But I think to go a, a team there and, and go and play the, the games that I did and the, just the, give us a sense of want as well. You know, when you when I first came to Dunfermline, all the they used to wrap up the tickets and throw them up when the players came out. The, you know, down the steps, or the fans would when the players went on the field, and I used to along with the other YTS have to get the rakes on the Monday morning with the red ash, and and rake all the tickets up, and thinking I want to be on that starting a living as well, so I don't need to be doing this on a Monday. But it did, you know, painting the terraces, washing the cars, doing all the stuff there, sweeping the terraces, getting all the rubbish up. It gives you a sense of a uh, want rather than just taking things for granted to know the players' boots, things they don't do now. You know, and that's, when you do make it, you look back in that and that it gives you a good grounding, along with the players that are there, uh, you know, good senior players that are had decent careers um, that, that helped us along the way. Uh, and I wouldn't I wouldn't have changed anything. I think it was the best for me, the way things worked out. You know, the Dunfermline took a chance in me. I was really proud to play there, be there for the, the time that I was and um, you know it's a big factor in my success as a player Brilliant mate and who, who were you closest to during your time who, who were your mates at the club uh, Latterly I'd say Big Toddy I used to, used to be inseparable at that time we lived next to each other we travelled you know the games and I got in well with him um, prior to that in my first few years most of the boys in the in the YTS, you know, we, we, we all them. I got on well with them all. They all stayed in, all of them stayed in the digs. Packy McAllister, you know, boys like Gal, uh, Graham Meldrum, uh, Bosey. You know, there were so many good lads, have a, a good careers, and you know, it's, it's um, but again, I it was it was good times. And then in 2011, you were inducted into the, the club's Hall of Fame. Must have been a proud moment for you. It was, and uh, we Joe Nelson, God rest him, lovely wee man. He was, you know, he, he gave us it, and he was a wee bit emotional on the night as well. Uh, it was good to see him. You know, people like that at, at football clubs they don't come along very often. Joe, uh, he was such a big part of it. With Jimmy Thompson, it's not here either. Um, you know, it was it was good. You know, because you, as as a player, you want to. You want to be part of history. You want to look back and say, "Well, I was part of that team, and I did this, and take medals, or winning things, or doing things, or just being part of it." Um, you know, and that that spell that I had at Dunfermline was was a good time uh, in my career. So then, obviously, you leave Dunfermline on the third of October '95. You you moved to Celtic. It must have been a bit of a dream come true. It was. It was again. It was one of these things that just just kind of, you know, you get on with it. I, I went along that morning after I said to go to Burton Dick and done a medical, uh, signed the contract and, you know, the manager, Tony Bonds, said he was playing me that night in my debut, which, you know, I was just like coming into Celtic and being there a couple of hours and making your, your full starting debut. And I don't think, you know, even with the contract they gave me, they didn't think I was going to be a regular. I think they thought it was just going to be us, you know, maybe a few games and then drop them out. But I think they were surprised that I could handle the pressure and um, the expectations and getting stronger and better each week, uh, which is why 
a few months later, they brought us in and signed a new contract, like within three or four months. You know, so I just now kind of took the position and, and never looked back. But Dunfermline gave me that grounding, and uh, there was an expectation at Dunfermline as well, which helped me at Celtic because we were expected to win the games with Dunfermline with good crowds and good atmosphere, uh, and that helped me adjust quite quickly to Celtic. Brilliant. There was a story when I was doing research on this, Jackie, that when the day you joined Celtic, about your boots getting stolen. Yeah. What, yeah. What, what was the story behind that one? I'd, um, I'd left, my dad had parked the car while we were in signing and doing everything, and then when Tommy the Gaffer said to us that I'm going to start you tonight uh, against Falkirk at Brockville, he said, um, you know, you ready? Yes, I asked, right, go and get your boots and your shin guards. So I went to my dad's car and someone had smashed the back window and stole my boots and my shin guards. I mean, normally you're quite nervous at making your debut, but doing it with somebody else's boots and shin guards. Uh, away at a place like Falkirk, you know, who had been a bit of a, a derby for me as, as a player with Infermans. So you're, you're getting that as well as a young kid, you know, the wee bits on the side and extra Infermans. So it was, yeah, I was, I was quite nervous that one. <laughs> quite it nervous, doesn't but help. I an excuse so it didn't go well. <laughs> and Tommy Burns you mentioned him earlier he signed you uh, such a, a special man what, what's your memories of, of Tommy Burns obviously he's held in such high regard at, at Celtic he was brilliant he was he was a, a brilliant manager a coach but great person he was he was super for me on and off the park uh, been young and worked on a lot of stuff in the afternoons with other players and you know a lot of you know, personal stuff that he would help you with as well. You know, time for everybody. He was just that all-round great guy, Tom. That first season, you made such an impressive start to your time at Celtic. You won the PFA Young Player of the Year. Uh, at that point, did you think, I, I'm coping with this step up, no problem? Or were you still thinking, I need to improve, I need to get up yeah, to speed with the always, players at this level? I think you're always look, looking to improve, you're always striving. I never, I'm just always on to the next game. And, you know, if there's something good there, I said, I don't think I was playing probably any better than I was, uh, than I was at Dunfermline. But when you're playing with better players, it becomes easier as well, you know, in the crowd there and everything else. So, you know, it's, it's one that you're always striving. And that's, as, as a player, I always kind of looked at that. You know, the game is finished. If I did well, great. You know, or it's the next game. And I kind of did that throughout my whole career. Just move on to the next one and not, not dwell on the past. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Walking Down the Holbeath Road. We would also like to thank our sponsors at Inverkeething Hillfield Swifts 2017s. The Swifts are an SFA quality marked community group and have competitive teams for every age group from mini kickers through to amateur level football. So if you're interested in youth football, why not check out their website, www.swiftsfc.com. So... We fast forward a little bit and then 97 98 when Celtic famously stopped the 10. Mm-hmm. Now, from a Dunfermline point of view, there's quite a, a famous game at the end of that season when a Mr. Falkenbridge just a bit yeah. spoiled it for Celtic. What's your memories of that that day being back at East End Park? Yeah, I thought it was going to be a, a good moment personally. You know, the team like that started away and you know, to win my first trophy there, that's what I thought was going to happen. 
Simon had scored early and Falkenberg scored with a big loopy header in the you know, last minutes of the game. But it was a, a disappointing one after the game. But, you know, we knew we'd, we'd sent Johnson at home the following week to win the league. So, we might, fortunately, we managed to do that. But, uh, yeah, I, I was hoping that, especially being at Dunfermline, I thought it was kind of written the stars for me, that my first medal, uh, sorry, not, not my first medal, first league medal, first league winners yeah. medal, was going to be back at the ground where I used to sweep all the tickets up and clean them <laughs> <laughs> and do everything and learn my trade. So, yeah, but it wasn't to be. Yeah, uh, That season, you, you also won the, the PFA Scotland's Players Player of the Year. So as well as a young player the, the previous, you're now the player of the year. Um, but I want, want to touch on that year because you were named in the, the Scotland squad, which obviously we'll, we'll go more in depth about your international career, but you were named in the squad for France 98 mm-hmm. that year. What what was France 98 like? It was great to be involved in it, um, personally. You know, at the time, I was deemed as one of the younger ones in the squad, whereas now it's not young. You know, I was 24, uh, coming up for 25, um, which now that's not deemed as a senior player now, which is crazy. But in, the, in terms of that, trying to get a starting berth, you know, had a good season. Celtic, I won play of the year, you know, we won the league. But um, I was playing uh, wing-back certain games. I was playing right midfield, you know, I scored against Liverpool. But, you know, Craig... Uh, had his favourites and the Scotland team the ones that maybe got him there so it was I didn't come on the first game against Brazil when I was dying to come on in the first match which would have been great uh, I came on the second game against Norway uh, the one all game um, which were getting beat 1-0 at the time and he moved Craig Burley in one and he scored the goal to make it 1-0 in the last game I started against Morocco which was a disappointing game and actually a very very Good side, but um, but just the experience. I didn't. One, it was fantastic to be involved in, you know, World Cup. Uh, and secondly, I didn't think it would have been my last. I thought we would have had a Euros or a, a World Cup in my, you know, in my rest of my time in my career. Yeah, it must have been that that kind of you take it for granted at the time. Like you say, you'd be thinking, I'll I'll be back at the next World Cup or the next yeah. Euros. Yeah, you do. You, you you do think that when you're younger. You know, I think, right, I'll get the next one. I'll get the next one. And uh, unfortunately, it became harder and harder. And, you know, we've only had one Euros uh, since. Yeah, mega disappointing. Go back to your time at Celtic. Obviously, there was plenty of star players throughout your your 10 years or so at Parkhead. Mm-hmm. Who, who are the ones that, that stand out for, for you? The Obviously, the main ones would be Larson, was a fantastic all-rounder. Lubo Moravchik was a sensational ability as well, even regardless of his age, both feet. And the last one would be Paul McStay. When I first got went to the club, Paul was was a fantastic player. Even with, you know, really bad ankles, he was still he was still some some talent, uh, you know, and helped helped me sit on the club as well. And you played under numerous managers uh, but one I wanted to touch on who, who seemed to really change it at Celtic was Martin O'Neill what, what was it like what was the turnaround when, when Martin come in I think he, he brought in he brought in a, like a discipline as well and he brought in some fantastic players Chris Sutton being one 
you know, brought in real leaders and men, uh, good, good footballers, you know, John Hartson, Alan Thompson was an unbelievable signing, brought in Neil Lennon, they're all, you know, but he, he built a, a squad of, of leaders rather than, you know, just good players, uh, good strong mentality. Uh, and yeah, it was just, a, it was a good time to be there. Uh, you know, be part of that. For me, I started well under him. I got injured away with Scotland and lost my place for a little while. Uh, and then, in the end, I ended up winning him back round and being his captain. So you know, it took a, it took a bit of time to to get that. But you know, like like my whole career started in Fenland. Uh, kind of never give up. Just keep working hard and doing well and training and wait for more opportunity. Uh, and eventually won him over and became his captain. Yeah, and being Celtic captain, what what was that feeling like? It was good. It was, I mean, it's obviously a very proud thing to do, lead out the team, especially Champions League nights and stuff like that. You know, you're away in Barcelona, you're taking the team out of Bayern Munich. You know, it's, it gives you that, that pride and that um, uh, responsibility as well. You know, because we did have a lot of, uh, captains in the team you know as I just mentioned there were a lot of guys that were good leaders but for me it was it gave us a lot of confidence and you mentioned the Champions League there you must have come up against some world class players who, who was the toughest opponent you, you came up against in Europe yeah I mean there was, it was a, it's a different level you know for me it was higher than then it was anyway higher than uh, international um, Ronaldinho in the Barcelona game I was up against the big guy Ludovic Julie he gave us a tough, tough time. He was, he was decent over Mars. You know, so many to be honest. You know, but as a player, that's what you want. You want to play against the best players. You want to be up against them and test yourself. Um, you know, you raise your game and your concentration levels for that, and that's what you look back on the good moments. I was going to touch on that. Obviously, playing in the in the Scottish Premier League. There's mm-hmm. probably moments you you can switch off for concentration because you're playing against a a lesser standard. But when you were coming up against a Barcelona, does that require like you're having to flip into that? I have to concentrate every second of this match because one second could be a mistake. Yeah, I the, the Barcelona especially because they've got so much of the ball and there's the one over there uh, which we drew one all in Champions League. The, I nearly scored an OG in the first few minutes. You know, Ronaldinho gets the ball and flicks it over uh, to into the channel and uh, and Julie, Julie does his wee dart and run. And I sliced the ball uh, and it just went past the back our back post. And that was the first minute. I was just like, this is going to be a long night. <laughs> but, you know, you end up for the next to the 89 minutes. I'm two or three yards behind the centre pop uh, and I wouldn't be playing them offside. So going from fourth bank to the new camp is not too bad, is it? Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, yeah, no bad. So your time at Celtic, you you, you win everything, Jackie. So four Premier Leagues, three Scottish Cups, two League Cups, and then what I was want to touch on is the UEFA Cup final and obviously the run up to that, which was unbelievable for Celtic. What mm-hmm. was your memories of the run up and obviously the the final against Mourinho's Porto? Yeah. The- I mean, the run-up was unbelievable. The, the teams we beat, you know, early on, Blackburns, Liverpool, Celta Vigo, uh, Stuttgart, a good side, you know. It was all the way through and it was just the next game and the next game. 
uh, in the semi-final against Boa Vista. Uh, we scored late on. And just that feeling that you're in a UEFA Cup final was just was just brilliant. You know, and the final itself, I thought their goals were lost were poor uh, in the game. But I came on in the 70-odd minutes for, for Paul Lambert when Martin asked me to try and stop Deco getting on the ball and dictating things. And uh, it was quite difficult getting up to speed because the heat, getting your second win coming on the subs can be difficult sometimes. But, you know, I thought it settled into it. Then obviously went down to 10 men with Bobo Baldi getting sent off. Um, so it was that was for me the, the turning point again. And then we lost the late goal. Uh, um, but um, they were a good side. You know, the, that same team won the Champions League the following year with Mourinho. So you know, they were yeah. no mugs. Yeah, and am I right in saying in your your personal life, your mum was was quite sick at that time as well. So it must have been really, really tough. Yeah, I, I think that kind of took the the significance of it. You know, it's a UEFA Cup final, and after the game, you see all the boys walking. I'm I'm down as well, but I'm more concerned about my mother, who passed away a couple of weeks uh, after that game, tenth uh, of June. So that was you know put into perspective. Football's football, but some things are more important. Definitely. Yeah, we touched on it earlier as well, your international career with Scotland, so I just want to mm. obviously speak about that. So, you made your debut um, for the under-21s in December 94 when you were still at Dunfermline. I think it as a young youngster, your ambitions was to play for your country. It was, and, you know, my, I used to go to Scotland games with my dad. My dad was in, in the Tartan Army. I used to get the bus through from his pub in, in Musselburgh. I used to go to the games. I was at the Australia game. So to actually be part of the, the team or be in that setup when they're all coming to watch was was unbelievable. You know, the turnaround, even even the 21s game, I was telling somebody the other day that uh, I was playing in Austria and took my debut in the 21s and, and then my dad and my grandpa and everybody else for the pub, they're all dressed up. They've come to the 21s game before and I I'm standing in the national anthem, and uh, I could see them all coming in, and we're standing and I was there when they're putting the music on, and then they're pushing a shopping trolley into this <laughs> little stadium in Austria, and my grandpa's in the shopping trolley steaming. <laughs> he's he's sitting, sitting I'm like, oh no! All the boys are all looking at it. you know we're standing there with the national anthem as I was so embarrassed, uh, trying not to look at them. Uh, <laughs> So my dad did. My dad had won my grandpa that night. You know, my, my grandson's playing for his national team, and you're had to push him in a shopping trolley, and he had them crying. Uh, Brilliant! Yeah, you know, uh, they were good, good times. Superb. And you mentioned him earlier, France '98. Craig Brown. What, what was Craig like as a as a gaffer? Uh, different. It was. It was different. Different from you know anything I'd experienced in. In club football and club management, you know, you, you, you look at all the stuff there and uh, Craig's motivation was to tell you that the opposition weren't as good as what you thought, you know, and you, you do it that way. But he was successful, we, you know, he got us to the last World Cup and, you know, a, a decent enough relationship with him. Um, you know, I, I, I thought I should have had more caps than I had for the squads I was in, but I'm sure every player can say the same. 
Yeah, and the man who replaced him, I want to ask you about as well, Bertie Volks, that that whole era. What what was that like from a player's point of view? Uh, different. Um, he had Tommy Burns and beside him, which helped me with different things with coming into it. But I think he's what he tried to do at the time. His actual record in competition was okay. It was but he had a lot of friendlies, which he would try out things, try players which didn't work, you know, and a lot of people kind of turned on him with that. Um, but in actual competition, the results were, weren't too bad, you know, some of the results we had. Yeah, but he had a tough time, didn't he? Because the national team was in transition. Obviously, Craig yeah, Brown had, had the same squad for about 10 years. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was, I mean, guys like myself and Simon and, you know, the others, Christian Daly, we were all the same sort of age. So we, we got to the finals under 21s in 96. And not, you know, it was only three of us that sort of came through into the national team. It was sort of, but even at 24, 25, you know, that was, as I said, that was deemed as young then. So then there was, there was, seems to be a, a big gap, you know, for the next one is there, if it would be McFadden's and Fletcher's or guys in there, given, try to bring them on quickly rather than dipping them in and, you know, you see it now, there's, the youngsters are getting an opportunity now early on to bring them in and seeing it, you know, so they're going to be, which is encouraging for the future. Yeah, and how do you sum up your time with Scotland? You, you mentioned you you feel you maybe should have had more caps. Yeah, I think so. I think I've been big-headed. I don't, I, you know, I was playing well at certain times. I wasn't getting a look in. The way that maybe he wanted to play, I think height was a big thing for him, uh, especially Craig. Uh, you know, he liked his wing backs to be big or taller than myself. But you know, I'm, I'm very proud to have played for my country and 73 caps. You know, it's 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 fantastic. But you know, I, I, sometimes I do feel I, I should have more. Brilliant, mate. So going back to your your club career, you you leave Celtic um, and you move down to England to sign for Wolves. Mm-hmm. Did you have aspirations to to play in England? Obviously, there's, I've, I've Read done research and you didn't really want to leave Celtic, did you? No, I'd I'd planned to finish my career there. I wanted to finish my career, but um, in football you don't always get what you want. <laughs> as I discovered, um, you know, in two thousand and three four season, I was player of the year again in Scotland. The sports writers had a good season. I was captain. I asked for a three year deal, and they gave me one, a one year deal, which. And I was like, okay, right, I'll go and get my head down and work hard again, which I did. I thought I'd another good season, my last season there. And uh, Martin was leaving. Martin left to go, and then Gordon Strachan came in. And you know, as far as I was concerned, he didn't he didn't want us. I wasn't difficult to deal with financially, so uh, you know, I just got the feeling that he wanted his own people in, which proved the case. Yeah, so you moved down to Wales and Glenn Hoddle's the manager, a legendary mm-hmm. player. What what was Glenn like to, to work for? I really liked him. I did. I, I thought he was. I thought he was way ahead of his time, you know, and his stuff he would do. You could see, obviously, the international side he'd done that as well. But I'd, I was I was really enjoying my football, and then I had a I done my ACL, my cruciate ligament after eight games in training, which put us out up until the end of the season, which was a a bit frustrating and a a big setback because I was enjoying it. Uh, you know, and I get back in the last game of the season away at Norwich, 
and Glenn left that summer. He, he pre-season he went away, and then Mick McCarthy came in. Now, what what was the standard like in the championship compared to what you'd been playing in Scotland? But how did you find that? To be honest, I found it fine. You know, I, I, there's probably a few more teams that are kind of route one, um, and being my height, I got a lot of diagonal balls on which I didn't mind because I would just use my body and jump into them and made sure they never got a clean header. But as I said I was I was enjoying. I think I think the bit I enjoyed the most was the the sort of freshness of it because you're you're only playing each other once at home and one away. You know, if you haven't prepared differently when you're, you know. Scotland, you know, everybody would have had for breakfast and never mind their positions they play. So on that side I quite enjoyed that, you know, you're preparing, you're setting your team up, uh, looking at the opposition, doing it that way. Um, you know, uh, and enjoyed enjoyed the, the competition. Brilliant. I take it did you struggle with like homesickness or did you quite enjoy staying away from Scotland? Uh, I- I didn't to start with like my wife I just as I said my, I had my three kids my youngest was just born just as I signed there my wife came down for the first year and they moved back to Edinburgh for the start of the second year in my last year the last year was a wee bit harder just but um, the championship itself you know in that league you're playing 46 games so it's like Saturday Monday or Saturday Tuesday so you're away travelling Although the Midlands, Wolverhampton is quite central, but you're still going away to Norwich, and it's overnight here, or going up to Sunderland. So it was up there, there was a lot of time you were away, which made it quite similar to Celtic. Yeah, and then after Wales, you, you come back up the road and you sign for, for Aberdeen, and Jimmy Calderwood's the one that takes you there. What what was it like working under the two Jimmies? Different. Uh, <laughs> it was... I came back and obviously uh, the family had been there. I had chances to stay down the road and I'd seen Jimmy on, when I was out in a stack um, out in Spain and then he kind of talked me into going up there and signed a two-year but I lasted, I think, eight months I lasted. It was just, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy the travel, end up travelling from the whole point was coming back was to be with the family um, and just know what he kind of promised me at the start. Um, but I mean the team itself we did okay that season you know we got to the, the group stages of Europa League and uh, my last game was was against uh, Queen of the South we got beaten in the semi-final which was a major disappointment and there was a wee kind of argument with Jimmy after that and then so it was best to leave Yeah and then after that you had a short spell at Falkirk before Partick Thistle where you would eventually become the manager. Did did you have aspirations to to be a manager or get move into coaching? I didn't. I think it was just at the time I'd, I started my B licence just as I was going up to Aberdeen. I think when I went there, Aberdeen, I'd, that's when I first thought I would do it because <laughs> we've seen how things were done and how you would treat people, how you would do things. You know, if I was in charge, and then you know you get to that age, and that you know honestly was the first sort of time I actually thought about being a manager and coaching and I got the opportunity at Partick Thistle and you know it was which was a really tough job and enjoyed it. I enjoyed the having to do everything, you know, you didn't have a lot of resources to do things or, or buy things or do anything else. It was it was a chance for me and Simon, we'd done it together. And 
end up costing costing me stuff to do it. But I knew why I was doing it, you know, to get the opportunity. There's not many jobs come up in the football and management in Scotland, you know, and if sometimes you've got to take a, a wee punt at it and we did and uh, then we were doing well, we turned it all around in that year. Then the following season said Dundee United came in for us in January and uh, you know decided to take that, which was a good opportunity. Yeah, see when you started off in management, Jackie, did you take snippets from previous managers you had worked under, like taking good points and bad points, or did you yeah. approach it as I need to be my own man? And I think you, I think you take it as you need to be your own man and make your decisions, but I think you take wee bits from everybody, even even without knowing. You know what I mean? You're subconsciously, you'll maybe take wee bits. Of, what would I do here? Or how do you deal with that player? You've seen managers lose a rag. Would you do that? And just try to be myself with it, and try to try to do it in a in a good way and help them, you know. And for 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 good spells there, I, I did enjoy it. I enjoyed especially wee bits of this when we turned it all around or playing the football, wanted to play. And Dundee United, likewise, it took a bit of time because I took it we in the January to get through the end of that season, then start and build like I did at Thistle. And then when you're getting there, you know the players get sold, and then. You're having to do it all again and do it all again um, without any help, assistance, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, which was, but I knew that. I knew that going into it. I knew the, how difficult the job and the, the debt, everything else, but I didn't really get the the recognition or support that I needed up there. Yeah. What was the most challenging aspect of management did you find? Uh, the ch- most challenging was... It's, it's, it's usually the non-football stuff, to be honest. You know, it's the politics there, or people want your job, or if it's just dealing with the players, um, or dealing with people. You know, the training and doing that, it was fine, but you end up dealing with more things that have nothing to do with the actual game. Um, and that's that's what became, especially the last sort of six months up at, up at United. You know, it was the players, when the players left in January, Mackay, Stephen and Armstrong, then they sold shifts in the summer. So that was my front three. That was all my players, my front, that was all my goals and trying to replace that with nothing, with no real money is difficult. Um, but it does take time. Uh, you're dealing with the, the fallout and my, my contract to get put out and stuff like that. And uh, it just became impossible, uh, you know, an impossible job. Yeah, you mentioned some of the names there. So the positives that Dundee United, some of the young players you got to work with. Mm-hmm. Did you know these guys like Ryan Gould and Johnny Russell and Andy Robertson were going to go on and and have good careers? And I, I, I actually thought they would have been not not so much Andy because he's obviously flying. Andy's it was his attitude and Goldie expected more. He's he's at that level now, although he's in the MLS with Vancouver. Johnny Russell, yeah, he went out to the States after Derby, but very good player, good attitude. You know, there was Armstrong, again, playing international. So, John Shooter has been very unfortunate with injury. He's a fantastic player. You know, still he's still young. That's the thing. They're still, they're still relatively young, so they've still got a good a good bit, you know, to, to go. And John's mm-hmm. at Rangers now. Goldie's at MLS, Andy Robertson's captain of the country, a wee boy that I'd taken from amateur football. So, you know, I do take the the bits from that that worked with. 
Yeah, and you spent just under two years, I think, at Dundee United before moving down south again to York City. So what what was that experience like? Obviously, you were manager to begin with, mm-hmm. and then you turned chief executive, obviously working behind the scenes in football. So what was that yeah. experience like? It uh, wasn't great, to be honest. Um, I think the, the whole, even just going down at the start, the, big, the best thing about it was the owner. It was my, he's my friend. But I, I hadn't applied for the job, but he actually called me at the blue. I'd, I'd been out at work for a month. I'd just been on holiday. It was the first time in October, <laughs> my birthday, and then he phoned me to, to see if I'd be interested in speaking to him and about the job. So I went down and I really liked him and wanted to help him to start with, and I took the job. The job was was really difficult, you know, with so many things going on. Um, and then when I was decided it was time to call it a day, <clears throat> uh, I said I was coming. I was going back home. He asked if I would stay and help him, you know, uh, run the club and be size and ears because his other business was so uh, busy and stuff, and he hadn't trusted anybody to do that stuff for him and be his eyes and ears at the ground. So I said I would do it until um, they went to new stadium. Uh, so I think I'd done it for I think a year. It felt felt a lot longer, um, what, but it wasn't it wasn't enjoyable. What does what is the role of a, a chief exec? Well, it's obviously club. overseeing all different parts. Would it be the players, the budget coming in, the players over looking at bits for the academy, looking at bits for commercial? Um, although I would get emails in that complaining about the toilets or something. <laughs> totally different from man- managing. And you know, but I was just gonna deal with things uh, the best I could, and do think what Jason would want in the owner, or speak to him and see what he wants me to do with it, and go to the games. But as I said, it's it was very very frustrating, just yeah. as it was as manager there. I can imagine. Do you have aspirations to get back into football management, Jackie? Or no, kind of no, no. It's kind of me. It's the York what experience was. I've never lost my um, belief in how I've done things and how I do it. Uh, you know, in terms of the coaching side of doing that, it's more the, the actual want to do it, you know, and the frustration that goes with it. It's not, people say pressure, it's not, it's not the pressure, it's the frustration and the, you know, the constant fights here just from different angles. It's just yeah. at my stage and what, what happened just a few years ago, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't uh, fancy going back into that or doing something that I don't really want to do. Yeah, I was going to touch on that. You, you mentioned in February 2020, you had a, a, a health scare. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell the listeners what, what happened. Yeah, I had a, a subarachnoid hemorrhage, which is an aneurysm, and I'd, um, I just collapsed. I had no signs or symptoms. I just was in the garden after walking the dogs with my wife and just felt a strange sensation. I was I had no control and I was passing out and just head stone head first onto the stones and then walking in and out of consciousness of the ambulance. Fortunately there was an ambulance in the area, otherwise, you know, I wouldn't be here. Um got me there, rushed me to the hospital and said that I bleed in the brain. Then they rushed me to the neurosurgery at Hull where um had an operation to go in and put platinum coils in the artery and tie it up and then divert, which went wrong and had a rupture again and then put me in a coma. 
was always in a coma for just over a day. Um, at that point, obviously, it's touch and go of going to survive or what damage you're going to have uh, mentally. But um, so I was in, came out of that, and then it just seemed to be getting somewhere. Then going back and forth, and it was another operation. I had to get a shunt, a shunt that drains into my stomach, and keeps it all the water in my brain at a certain level. And I've got a, a, another operation to get a stent in. Uh, so it's been pretty mental, but um, what, amazing what they can do. But you know, still, still here. Everything good now, yeah. I hope so. Yeah, I'm just fitting in. So that'll be three years coming up in a few weeks. Um, I'm just waiting on another scan a few weeks ago. I'm just waiting on the results for that. So all been well. They'll discharge me back out the hospital, back to my GP if it's if it looks fine again. Good stuff. Fingers crossed, mate. Fingers crossed. Um, Something I wanted to ask you about was just before you had the health scare in January 2019, you returned to help Dunfermline out as a a consultant when Stevie Crawford was the manager. What what did that role involve? Uh, Again, it was trying to to help uh, with Stevie and and with uh, players coming in and out, trying to help them with, you know, identifying their help with the budget, uh, speaking to Ross. Um, I actually enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. A wee bit. So I, 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 I never, I'd no interference with the team or anything or selection or what Stevie was doing. But I would try and obviously speak to Stevie and help him a wee bits. And um, but no, it was good. I thought it was it was going it was going well. Stevie, you know, we managed to get some good players in, like the Nisbet and that. Um, you know, get some good things done and during. I think like everything else, COVID took over. Um, COVID uh, was just when I took ill as well. I would just do at that point, and then obviously the the German uh, consortium came in as well, and that was that was it done. But no, I enjoyed it. You know, I liked I liked a lot of time for Ross. I thought he was a really good guy and good for the club. Um, what he'd done, and Stevie. You know, I played 21s with Stevie, I had a good relationship with Stevie as well. You know, I wanted him to do well, but Probably. he got unfortunate in the end. Yeah, he was. I take it you're not involved now in the club? No, no, no. 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 I finished, uh, it, it finished that season. Uh, right. When, yeah, the new, uh, new consortium, new owners came in. Cool. No worries. And uh, what is Jackie McNamara doing now? You kind of touched on it there, a wee bit of what you're doing. So what, what are you up yeah, to now? You've retired. Looking after players, yeah. I've been doing that for a few years now. But after um, managing players without standing at the sideline, just manage them, help them. Uh, which I enjoy, enjoy the side of it. It still keeps you involved and you're kind of going through their careers and try to pass on advice. And, um, you know, there's a lot of, pitfalls out there and a lot of different things there but you're trying to do it in the right way and help them uh, and hopefully they have the same experiences or, or better than that, what I had as a player you know and, and help them get to that point and what they're going to experience the good and the bad And what players do you, you look after Jackie? Um, I look after well we've got male and female players so um Senior players, we have Santa Clark, Hearts, John Souter. I used to manage at Dundee United, obviously. Players, but I used to manage Dundee United. Um, the young lad, Ben Doak, Liverpool, just uh, 
probably quite a few young ones that we have, uh, you know, around. So now we've got quite, we've got um, quite a few players just now. You know, we've got some good female players as well. Sam Kerr for Rangers in Scotland, and and it's been it's been good since we've started up. And the guy Ben Dock at Liverpool seems to be highly rated. He's starting to break into the first team, isn't he? Yeah, for one so young, you know, it's, um, but uh, he's he's exciting. But I, I think we've got there's a few few young players we've got, you know, like just starting out. It's um, you know that's exciting. But you you see what they're what they're doing so young. That must you know, give what, you a buzz as well, seeing these guys coming through and and starting their careers on a high note straight away. That is, yeah, because I think you can try and sort of tell them or you know explain what's going to happen, how it's going to just explode, and how this is going to change, and what to expect as well. I think it's it's good for them just to have that in their in their their, their makeup before they even start. You know that, so it's not a big shock to them or surprise because it's you know it's um, there's so many things that, that, that happen. You know you don't want to be them to be spooked by it they, they embrace it and uh, they enjoy it most importantly Did you have that early in your career with obviously your dad being a former professional were you constantly getting tips on how to deal with certain situations And Yeah my dad my dad was a quiet influence you know he would just like we say wee things here or there um, that, I think that's always difficult as well see when it's your own son you know my, uh, when you're like, yeah, you're just saying that because you're my dad. But if you're talking to somebody else's kids, you know, I've, I look after a couple of uh, ex-players' kids, uh, like Gary O'Connor's son, Josh Hibbs, and, and Robbie Hamilton, uh, Jim Hamilton's son. You know, their dads were both ex-pros, but, you know, they they think they're just saying that because they're their dad rather than passing on their wisdom. So it, it's, it's kind of good that I can come in that side of it as well and, and just basically say similar things to them. Uh, just to wrap up, we, we always do a, a top five. So this applies mm-hmm. to your time when you were at Dunfermline, uh, athletic only. So the most mm-hmm. memorable game you, you played in? I think it was the Falkirk game at East End. I'm trying to remember. But it was a sellout. It's a fault of only time that the actual, the whole stadium, well, in that, in that sense, there. I'm trying to remember there. I was up against Ian McCall. Who I used to clean his boots, uh, you know, and it was it was a bit of a bit of payback for me, you know. He used to give me a lot of stick when I used to come in there. That was probably most memorable because it was, you know, at that point coming in and we were playing such a, a massive game, and I think it might be a draw. I've got a draw in my mind Aye. that one. Yeah, I think so. But they were that was the year that they were strong as well. You know, it was a yeah. fantastic game to play in and to be involved in. Uh, and you kind of covered it earlier, but your best mate at your time for the club? It would have been Big Toddy, aye. It would have been Big Toddy. Good big lad. Big PC Todd now, isn't it? Uh, and obviously his laddie's coming through at Dunfermline now as well, and there's quite I high hopes for him. Yeah, yeah, he's doing well. It's good. Brilliant. The best player you played against when you are at Dunfermline? Uh, maybe Neil McCann, who's at Dundee. A good tussles with Neil. Um, you know, as a winger and the right, right back. Yeah, probably that one. Uh, your favourite stadium to play in? I can see East End now. Ah, you can see East End, aye. <laughs> that was it. I'm not just saying that. It was a good stadium. Uh, big pitch, I liked because it was a big pitch as well. And down that down that stand side and getting to the byline, uh, you know, having all that space to run into. 
Superb. And your favourite memory from your time at the club? No, I don't have so many good memories there. Um, the season there with Burton Dick was the best memories. You know, getting to the, the playoffs um, and securing that, although we should have been up. I think the the goals that we scored and the way we played, you know, that I'm sure the fans still remember that time uh, watching it, how exciting it was and the many goals we scored and crosses gone in. So I think um, that was, for me, that was the best time. It's not the memories of Magaluf in pre-season, no? No. I've only been, <laughs> I'd, only, I'd only one trip to Magaluf. That was just before I left. Before It was uh, just before I got married as well. I got married that summer. And Bert, I was talking to Dick about it. Bert and Dick were worried because I was I was, I was 21 at the time. And they were like, we need to watch V Jackie. This is there because... Big Norrie used to say, like, you you have to be on the beach by, like, 12 o'clock. Now we had to be there. And you just maybe got in the early hours. And uh, I think it was a third day, and I asked, I, think I went up and asked him if I could get money to go to the go-karts. <laughs> he was <laughs> laughing a bit. He worried about me drinking, and I'll be go-karting. A wee boy. <laughs> Brilliant. So, uh, but it was, uh, Superb. I think three days was my limit. Three days of, of drinking solid. I've never, I could never get beyond that. Uh, no, no, no good experience for that. Mm-hmm. Perfect. We'll wrap, we'll wrap that up. So, Jackie, that that's been tremendous. Thanks very much for for chatting to us. We really appreciate no, you. your time. No problem. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe to this podcast, which is available on all popular platforms such as Apple, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Thanks to our guest in this episode of Walking Down the Hobby Road. This podcast was produced by Jan Mokkevich and music supplied by Stuart Dusty Miller. We look forward to speaking to another former par in the next episode.